your friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast, ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one, let's go. A variation in the dancing from Jesse Rubinoff for Friday. I like it. I almost started the show standing. I'm try still trying to figure out if that's a thing. We got a, you got a rolly chair, which makes it dangerous to sit down live. Like my chair is rooted into the ground. I would be somewhat scared of you sitting down live on TV with the rolly chair. Can I tell you something? Yeah. It was like 20 seconds to air and I was still standing, right? Obviously you saw me. Yeah. And that's exactly what I thought. That's what went through your head? I, I said, yeah. if I'm gonna start the show standing and then I try and sit down, I could go flying. <laughs> And it could end poorly, so I'm just going to sit down now. And you could end up on the YouTube, exactly the TikToks. Right. Not worth it. No. I'll just sit down. No, not worth it at it's all. Like you deal. never want to be the topic on this thing. No. And let's be honest, if you're sitting down on live TV and the thing flies out from under you and you go yeah. down in a heap, you are going to be on here. If we really, really, really need the views at some point, I'll do it. I'll do it. Hey, it's got to be real. Okay, fine. Yeah, it can't be fake. All right. And even if we did fake it, now we can't fake it because you said on TV. <laughs> Someone will clip it if I yeah. fall down. But the good so news about all of that is yeah. that if by chance you happen to fall on accident, mm -hmm. you can now say, well, we faked it because we had this conversation. Yeah, we're Find just, the good news yeah, in it. Yeah, right? We're leveling up here. Hey, yeah. Making it positive. I ain't one to boast. But this feels like a pretty good lineup for today's show. A little after 24 hours from the NBA trade deadline, ahead of the Raptors and Jazz on Sportsnet 1, general manager of the Toronto Raptors, Bobby Webster, is going to join us. A little more than 48 hours before kickoff, Super Bowl 57. Nate Burleson is going to join us at a hockey doubleheader on Sportsnet tonight. A basketball doubleheader on Sportsnet 1 that features a bunch of new faces in new places. And I hope we got our show. Although, as always, Jesse, we will let the viewers be the judge yes. of all that. Yes. Regardless, we are aiming for a more impressive show than, well, this run to first base. Watch till the end. Impossible. No, not bad, eh? Impossible. Watch it one more time, and my favorite part is right at the end, after the roll, if we could roll one more time, mm -hmm. you'll see the head nod from this young athlete that I absolutely positively love. That's impressive enough. Now watch this. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, well, like it's uh, it's nice that we have the aspiration that the show will be as good as that. It's not gonna happen. Okay, listen, if you're Shania Twain and that doesn't impress you much, I aim to make the show more impressive than this dude right here riding his bicycle in what I believe to be Brazil. Oh no! Ha oh, this is serious. No, this he he catches it. <laughs> I love the Brazilian music. That is a, how hard would this be? I feel like that's something like if soccer wants to do a skills competition, like the NHL or NBA, like that's something that I could see. This is better count. than best catch in the yeah. Pro Bowl, whatever yeah. the hell thing they call that now. Yeah, it would be better than most <laughs> NHL events too. That has got to yeah. be harder than anything that I've ever yeah. done in my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 he pulled it off. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, very impressive. Uh, so we hope the show is impressive is where we're going with all this. Again, Nate Burleson from Super Bowl 57, Raptors general manager Bobby Webster on a deadline that left many of us flummoxed. That was the word of the day. We will search for some clarity from him. We'll also search for some clarity in First Things First with my dude, Jesse Rubinoff. So let it flow, Pop So. All right, let's rock and roll here. It's been over 24 hours since the NBA trade deadline passed, and the dust is beginning to settle. The Raptors remain relatively quiet, retaining several players that were heavily featured in trade rumors throughout the last couple of months. However, however, they did acquire Jakob Pertl, who is questionable to play as of right now. He also spoke on his return to Toronto earlier today. This past season was a little bit tough because we've been losing games. So like, I'm, uh, I was excited to get out there and play like winning basketball again. Like, try and um, play for a playoff spot. Like, um, go out there and, and compete again. Uh, so those are things that very, very much excited me. And then also just having guys here that I, I was familiar with. Like getting back with like P, Fred, OG, all those guys. Like, uh, uh, yeah, should be should make for a fun, fun year for sure. Should make for a fun year. Uh, there is some time left in this year for the Raptors to do some stuff. We will yeah. get to uh, the outlook on the Raptors season in a second. Were you uh, were, were you at all paused by the fun year part? Like, I assumed that this pickup was to obtain bird rights so that they could, in fact, resign him. He says year. They gave up a first and two no, seconds. No, he's resigning. He's resigning. I think he, he, he yeah, he's resigning. He said first. year. Yeah. Singular. Yeah. I know English isn't his first language, and Lord knows I can't speak Austrian. No, I think he knows they wouldn't. They wouldn't um, have brought him into the fold uh-huh. just for three okay. months. Okay, you seem pretty positive of that. I hope, I'm, I hope I'm you're confident right. in yeah, that. I hope um, you're right. Do you think the Raptors fan base is any less flummoxed today? No, but I hope our interview with Bobby Webster will help because yeah. I took all of the questions that were thrown at us. I put them down on a piece of paper right here, Mm -hmm. and I actually have two pieces of paper with small print on it, and I don't want to show my questions, but I wrote them all on here, and I'm going to ask Bobby Webster many. What, what, like, in your mind, with 24 hours and some reports later, what do you think is the most puzzling part to Raptors fans a day later? Because even in our, we're having Bobby Webster on the show today, there was a lot of feedback. I can show you right now. I can show you, if you go to my computer, I can show you what the most confusing thing that I saw is. Okay. Uh, this is from Zach Lowe. The Memphis Grizzlies and Indiana Pacers both reportedly offered the Toronto Raptors three first-round picks for OG Ananobi. I think the fan base would look at that and wonder, what more do you need? What more were you looking for? Why wouldn't you make that move? Yeah, that, that one's interesting because uh, Bobby Marks, ESPN, also suggested that when he was talking to other GMs in the league that the Raptors wanted a good player and picks for OG Ananobi and that all first-round picks aren't created equally, right? Mm -hmm. So if it's Memphis and Indiana, those are mid-round picks usually, and if you add OG Ananobi to the Pacers, I mean, they might still swing and miss, but you would assume that they would be better. So they wanted a player and picks. Now, I know that you can usually turn a first-round pick into the player that you're looking for, but what player? Right? Like, what what player did they value out there, and why not try and go get that yourselves 
and would that be available in the offseason because I think a lot of this is the kick it down the road so I hope that answers that question a little bit yeah I mean the thing that I struggle with when I look at a move like that yes I understand fully that they they would be mid first round picks and they could be heavily protected too we don't we don't know that they could have been protected through the first top 20 of the first round. We don't know. Could have been top um, 15, could have been top 12, right. whatever, yeah. Lottery protected. But OG Ananobi was also 23rd overall. So it's not like there's no depth in the first round of the NBA draft. It is possible to find a gem. Yeah, but I find that, I find what happens here is people hear first round picks and they immediately assume that it's they're LeBron. in Victor and uh, <laughs> right. Scoot territory. And that's yeah. not always the case, right? No. And that's all I say. I, I the Raptors have had some success finding pieces yeah. in a lot of different areas, whether it's the second round, whether it's undrafted, Fred, or whether yeah. it's late in the first round. Like that's that's why my like my most puzzling part of all this was a first and two seconds for a guy in Yakapurtle that theoretically you could have signed in the offseason. Now, as I mentioned, bird rights help. A little bit on that. Uh, Ken Birch's salary off the books helps a little bit, but that's a lot to give up for Jakob Pertl and a guy you're going to have to pay anyways. Just like you're going to have to pay Fred Van Vliet if you keep him. Just like you're going to have to pay um, Gary Trent Jr. as suggested mm-hmm. perhaps mm-hmm. by Michael Grange before this all got going. Can I just say this? Like. ESPN and Shams did the Raptors absolutely no favors going in. Like, the last reports from Canada, like, I don't care who you follow in Canada, the ones emanating from Canada were Michael Grange saying that Gary Trent Jr. was closer to re-signing than moving on. What happened here looks like heading towards re-signing. He talked to OG Ananobi, and mm-hmm. it sounded like in that conversation that OG Ananobi was more apt to stay at the de- Like, all of these reports, all of these reports post-deadline, they're all coming from guys at ESPN and or Shams. Yeah, I mean... The, Not the Canadian ones. No, for sure, for sure. Um, we got a little tidbit um, from Michael Grange. You mentioned Fred in the mix there. Mm-hmm. Um, Grange saying discussions were had with Milwaukee involving Van Vliet, Grayson Allen, and a future first. Clippers were talking about Kennard and Brandon Boston Jr., but didn't want to include a pick. I, I, I don't know. To me, this one's a little bit different than OG for, for three first-round picks. You know what one bugged me the most? Which? Uh, Zach Lowe saying Durant wants Pascal. Yeah. And everyone right sees that, that, right? Yeah. And they go, wait, Durant wanted Pascal? Well, what? What did they have to send the other way? Mm-hmm. They didn't even have first-round pick. Like, what were they trading for? Nick Claxton and what? Like, what else did they have? So when I see reports like that or chatter like that, it just does the team a disservice because no one ever digs a little bit deeper and says, well, what would the trade have been? Careful. Uh, I have clarity on Pirtle from this morning. He said they wouldn't have traded for me if they didn't feel it was a long-term option. So that was the quote from this morning, so he, Good. he's. So that I guess, year is your, your confidence was well found. Comfortable By in the, the way, fact. Speaking of Pascal Siakam, uh, named an All Star replacement today. Yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, he probably should have been there in the first place, but nonetheless. Um, what are your expectations as we sit here, looking at the rest of the season? We we heard Pirtle say that it was going to be a, a fun year. Uh, what are your expectations moving forward for this team the rest of the year? Do you have any? Playing. Maybe better. It's not that they're not that far away from the Heat, who have been really struggling. Like the Knicks are 
probably going to get better. The Bulls, that loss last night, like that was embarrassing. Yeah, that was flummoxing. <laughs> so listen, they're going to be in the mix, and I don't think they're going to be playing for Scoot or Victor. No. So I think they'll be in the mix, and they might get some home dates, and I wonder if that was part of the equation. We'll ask Bobby Webster coming up. Love it. Looking okay. forward to it. Uh, with the NBA trade li- deadline now behind us, the focus shifts to... I don't know if it's going to be as exciting, but hopefully it will be. It's the NHL trade deadline, which is 21 days away. The Rangers usually kick things is better. Off. Usually, yeah, usually. Not really uh, anymore. Um, kick things off yesterday by acquiring Vladimir Tarasenko. The Rangers did. Meanwhile, the Leafs were back in action tonight. Will have an opportunity to add in the coming weeks if they choose to do so. Yesterday, Kyle Dubas shed some light on the team's plans at the deadline. Whatever way we can improve the team, um, we'll, we'll look to do that. I think uh, with the exception of, of goaltender, uh, you know, if up front and on D, if there's a way that we can improve the team and give ourselves a better chance to, uh, um, to make a run at it, then, then we'll do that. Uh, some of it, I think the larger focus is always on the, the bigger names, but we have to look at the, the people who may improve us overall and not just the, the big names per se. I think in regards to, to rentals, I, I, I can't see that happening, but with regards to other options, I, I don't think um, you say no off the hop to anything. Uh, can you please deconstruct what we just heard from Kyle Dubas? Well, it does mean that they learned from the Raptors deadline to calm the hype as much as possible. I know they talk <laughs> yeah. on both sides. Yeah. Masai, Ran into talk Masai in that, in that oh, yeah. <laughs> What did you learn from it? Shut it all yeah. down. Shut yeah. the whole thing. Although, the, with exception to goalies, so they're happy with their goalies unless Kyle Dubas is playing poker here. It's Matt Murray and it's Samsonov moving forward. Well, Matt Murray if he's healthy. Matt Murray if he's healthy. That's a big caveat, seems like. I expect him to get healthy here and have the opportunity and the time to get healthy. Yeah, yeah. No, he will have the time for sure, but... You're just worried about him getting hurt again? Again, yeah. This is, what, three times now this season that he's been injured for some stint yeah but I think they've seen enough to know that if they can just maintain his health they'll Until be the okay yeah play some Joseph Wall play some Samsonov try and get both of them hot at the right time now yeah. I don't know if you can preemptively get in front of injuries but yes I understand what you're saying there may be some concern about the fragility of Matt Murray can I tell you uh, what I what impressed me about um, hearing that from Kyle Dubas is that obviously this is a pivotal year for him personally. He's in the final year of his contract, and if they flame out in the first round again, there's going to be a lot of people asking questions of Kyle Dubas and his job security. But it seems like he's being very responsible here and not trying to go super all in yeah, because his rent- job is on the line. Passing on the rentals, you're suggesting? Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I get it. Like the, the, the farm, and specifically Matthew Nyes, too, which, which leads me to my next question, which is, which Canadian team do you think does need to upgrade the most if Dubas seems like he's going to be uh, conservative at the deadline? Uh, upgrade? Yes. I think the Pacific Division, um, I wondered if you were going to ask me trade, upgrade. Uh, obviously, the Canucks are the trade mm-hmm. team. Mm-hmm. Uh, the upgrade is the Pacific Division. And the Edmonton Oilers, listen, I think they need to add a defenseman. I think they're going to win the Pacific. I know it's really tight. I know they're not there yet. But the way that they're playing and what we've seen over the last little while from both Skinner and Campbell, it seems like they I kept telling you Someone called that. Jack Campbell's going to warm. Yeah. And he's yeah. won seven straight as the starter. Fair play. Skinner goes in that wasn't his fault last mm-hmm. night. They probably should have gotten the points against Philadelphia. Sometimes that happens. I think they add a defenseman. And listen, there's a lot of pressure on the Calgary Flames. And I, they've already made some huge moves, obviously, 
over this year uh, or over this season. They can't win one goal games right now. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure Dan Vladar is their number one goaltender right now. We saw that coming. Like they're, they're in a spot here where they need to add something that can get them over the hump because where they are right now isn't good enough. And Markstrom finding it could put them over the hump, and that's what I've been saying the entire year. History would suggest that he's going to get better. Like, we're running out of time here. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a really good goalie who is not playing like a really good goalie. No doubt. And when I look at it's funny, when I look at the salary cap and the, the amount of dollars that these Canadian teams have under the cap, it's not a lot. Not no. a lot of wiggle room at all for most no, of these teams. No, they're going to have to really, be creative. They, they're going they to have Jesse. to be creative for sure. And the, the, it appears the Blue Jays uh, – we're a little bit creative Were when it creative? came to the Bo uh, kind Bichette of. contract. The Blue Jays avoided arbitration with Bo by finalizing a three-year deal worth $33.6 million. The deal buys out the remaining arbitration years for Bichette, which means he can be an unrestricted free agent in 2026. Today, Ross Atkins spoke about the deal. A great day for the organization to, to get to this point and, and very, very happy for Bo and his family. He has certainly earned it has been one of the best players in the game and we think he's going to continue to be. And so it's, uh, uh, you know, again, just something that we're very excited about. Were there any talks in the course of this process about extending things beyond that three-year term and doing something bigger? Yeah, we're, we're always open to that. There is that dialogue is ongoing as it is with many players. And it is, this is a good step in that process because ultimately you don't get any deal beyond one year done that isn't sharing some risk. Good deal, bad deal. As it is with many players. Mm -hmm. Oh, you mean like Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Mm -hmm. Mr. Atkins? Mm -hmm. Perhaps we might see some of this come to fruition. Listen, avoiding ARB is good. I'll be brief here because I want to get to Bobby Webster on time. But avoiding arbitration is good. They avoid arbitration for a couple of years. But you wanted to get free agency years and you did not get that from Bo Bichette I wonder if this little back and forth uh, may loom large as you move forward but as we've seen in the past in baseball you can still sign that long-term deal even though you've signed a three-year deal worth 33 million dollars you can still add on years at the end and if I were the Toronto Blue Jays I would want some cost certainty Mm -hmm. moving forward because this is long-term it always has been under Shapiro and Atkins it is a long-term game for them get cost certainty on Vladdy get cost certainty on Bo and then you know what you can fill in around the outside it's going to cost them we all know that but get it done so you understand what you're doing moving forward and I wonder as it is with many players wasn't inferring perhaps to one Vladdy Jr. So funny when I looked at the 2026 I thought wow it's a long time far away Comes at you quick, kids. 2023, baby. Life comes That's at you quick. That's pretty wild, I, I gotta know. say. When they were throwing around 2027 <laughs> draft picks, I was like, 2020. All oh, right, that's not yeah. that far. Right? <laughs> it's only four years away, <laughs> my goodness. All right, still to come. Super Bowl 57, two days away. We'll get you set with Nate Burleson and Arash Madani joining us. A big football show, but up next, one day after the NBA trade deadline, Raptors general manager Bobby Webster will join us from Scotiabank Arena as the Raptors get, host, get set to host the Jazz. This should be fun. Tim and friends, weekend's almost here. Back to Dobson, long shot, tipped in. Bo Horvat. Horvat has his second with the Islanders.
Here's this one against his former team. Brock Besser, Rishon tipped in. Anthony Beauvillier has one against his old team. And the Canucks are up six to four. Jokic the rebound. He's got Brown out there. Touchdown, Nuggets. Wide receiver Bruce Brown running his route. Nikola Jokic right on target. And a special thank you to everyone on this stage for everything they did for me. And thank you everyone around the country and around the world who prayed for me and hoped for me. The journey will continue. Welcome back, friends. Still to come, Nate Burleson, Rash Madani, and the Raptors hosting the Jazz tonight. You can see it on Sportsnet 1, starting with Raptors Central, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Jakob Pertl still officially listed as questionable as he awaits clearance from the league after he was acquired in a trade with the San Antonio Spurs. Bobby Webster is set to join us in a flash. We are waiting for him courtside when he does. Uh, we will let you know and we will take you to that conversation immediately live TV, he's in demand. though. Yeah, important guy. Guaranteed that he's done a few of these already. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wonder if he's primed for all the questions that we're going to hear <laughs> Probably. over the next little while. Probably. Smart uh, guy meantime, anyway. between time, though, Jesse, uh, the hoodie giveaways have always gone pretty well on this show. I mentioned Arash Madani and Nate Burleson coming up on the show, so we're going to go heavy football to close it out. However, we have a bit of a giveaway. This is like probably the, the easiest uh, or probably most fun one that we've, we've had for hoodie giveaways. We're giving away two Tim and Friends I'm a Friend hoodies. Uh, we're doing it with the, everyone does these, the props sheet for the Super Bowl. You fill out your prop sheet, reply with a picture of your choices below. Use hashtag TFPredict as always. We'll pick the winners at random. You must be following at Tim and Friends, but we got all the classics, the national anthem, the accepted penalty, the total turnovers, position of the MVP, and of course, everybody's favorite uh, color of the coach Gatorade shower. So is that everyone's favorite? Like I don't know if that's everyone's favorite, or you're just using that term because it's kind of quirky and funny. But does do like have you ever really bet on the color of Gatorade that's coming out of the? I actually think that it's a pretty good like it's not the official tiebreaker, but there's a lot of options with that, right? Yeah, it oftentimes is on your prop bet sheet. Mm -hmm. Uh, the tiebreaker. Exactly. You pick one of them, but there have been some curveballs of late. Yeah, I think when the Chiefs won, they had orange naturally, uh-huh. and then it, naturally, if the naturally, right? If the Eagles win, though, green Gatorade <laughs> Are seems you like really an oddity. To, you're trying to handicap the color of Gatorade. Yeah, that like I don't remember out. seeing green. Right. Like, like you, you go to the store, you look for a Gatorade or powder. There is whatever. a green apple. It's rare, though. Yeah, like I'm a BioSteel guy, but there is a green apple. Is you know, there? I've seen You're it bio, out there. BioSteel guy? Yeah, yeah, but, nice. I, but there, there is a green apple out there. Yeah. And I, there is a possibility of that, but I don't think they would just have that for the Super Bowl. I can't wait. I, I'll go through the rest of the prop sheets, and maybe we'll come up with a little better of a kind of breakdown besides Gatorade on that prop <laughs> sheet a little later on in the show. But again, all you got to do is fill out one of those prop sheets. Mm-hmm. You can do it on your phone. You can do it on your computer. You can print it out, take a picture, send it back to us, and you're automatically uh, entered to win the I'm a Friend hoodie. Do I got that right? You got it. Crushed it. Look at you. I'm trying hard. Uh, listen, so we'll get to Nate Burleson a little later on. We'll discuss uh, Patrick Mahomes 
now a two-time MVP after winning last night at NFL Honors. And we'll discuss, did you know that Jalen Hurts is 16-1 and this year? And everyone's saying that he is the second-best quarterback in this Super Bowl. This is honestly, I'm not kidding you, this is my favorite storyline from the game. And this is, why, this is why I'm going to take the Eagles. Oh, you're going with Eagles on this, yeah? Because I feel like people look at the Eagles' record and the fact that they have three losses mm-hmm. coming in. They've lost one game with Jalen Hurts under center. Yeah, one game. One game. Yeah. And they've looked unstoppable in every other game. Yeah. So, to me, it's like there's a little bit of the recency bias. You look at statistics, you see that they lost two games, but... Gardner Minshew was in, was under center for yeah, two of those losses, he, he so it's a big made, difference. He might have made big Hurts even more yeah. valuable. Uh, Toronto, Utah coming your way on Sportsnet 1 later today. Raptors Central coming up 7 p.m. Eastern. The Raptors enter that affair 26-30. Uh, and 30. And winners of three straight, perhaps a magic number for our next guest, the general manager of the Toronto Raptors. I am setting the over and under on the last three days heading up to the deadline at three hours of sleep. Bobby. Have you hit the over on that three hours of sleep? I think I might be right there, three and a half. <laughs> oh, there it is. Yeah, I said it really low. I didn't think that you would be on. I was hoping you wouldn't be under, but you're slightly over. I think the Durant trade on Wednesday night, I was literally getting ready to get into bed, <laughs> and it hits, and I'm like, oh, no, I got to stay up for two more hours now. <laughs> you and me both. I got, I got back from your game. I was ready to. I was, and the buzz on the phone woke me up. I rolled over and I'm like, oh, dear God, here we go. A little less than you, though, everybody's. I'm guessing. All right, so let's, let's get down to this. Yesterday, uh, I was sitting here trying to keep up with the madness, KD, Kyrie, uh, more second round picks than Sam Presti could count. And then a news conference yesterday after the deadline, and Masai said it was quiet. Is that true? Was it quiet? <laughs> I think, I think he said it best. There were no blockbuster deals. That doesn't mean it was quiet. I, I kind of liken it back. I said, we don't need every trade deadline to be like this, but uh, every couple years we'll take, you know, the 100 different scenarios. Um, I think down to the end there, there weren't any crazy offers that came in late. We kind of, you know, <laughs> all the noise of the past month, I think we kind of knew what teams were interested in and, uh, you know, what offers were out there. So coming down to the end there, I think we knew what we were going to do. Um, but it was interesting to explore, obviously, all the different scenarios with this team. And I think, um, you know, we're happy with where we are, getting Pirtle. Um, and we have, a, you know, a 26-game stretch here where we think we can make a real playoff push. And so we're excited. The players are excited. Obviously, this is a bit of a vote of confidence in them to say, listen, like, you know, we owed it to, to you all to get you a big man. We have it, someone that you all are familiar with. Um, and let's push forward and let's let's go for it. It's funny because I asked Michael Grange if he was surprised by the deadline. He said he was surprised. All the American recaps that I leafed through or heard or saw online said they were surprised that you guys didn't do more. Are you surprised? It sounds like you're not surprised how the deadline went for you. Well, I think like let, let's take take a step back and say what position did we have we you know been looking at for the past year or two and I think big man was one yeah. um, I think a big man that fit with this group that was familiar with how we played and so I think from that kind of perspective in a vacuum you know we addressed it um, I think the secondary piece is probably what most people are referring to is we didn't do an additional thing right um, but I think if you just look at it from the point of view of you know do we get someone we like do we get someone that fits um, high IQ tough strong seven footer um, you know we address that 
you mentioned playoff push here, and I got to ask, like, what's the difference between this season and when Masai said playing for what? Uh, I think we were probably living in a pandemic in Tampa, so I think it might have been a little bit of a different circumstance. Um, but no, I think the difference is that we have a young team, and I think the development of a young team is not always going to happen uh, in a straight line. And so I think from that perspective, last year we win 48 games, we make it to the playoffs, not necessarily the end that we want, but I think we saw the growth. And so uh, even early with this this team, I think maybe we're 11-9 and 9 or 13-12, and 12, we go down to Orlando, uh, you know, and the wheels fall off for a month. Um, but we played better. I think we've seen it on the court. We've been, even if we've lost games, we've been in every single game. And so I think that gave us some, you know, sense of confidence that this team uh, is turning the corner and, and making a push here. So that six and nine, or excuse me, that six wins in nine games run over the last little while, some pretty good Freddie numbers, some good Scotty numbers. Did that influence what you did at the deadline? No, it's hard to kind of, you know, live day to day in the ups and downs. I think it's more the course of the year. We really look at that stretch. I don't know, maybe we were three and 13 or so. And that was tough. You know, we weren't even in games. We were coming out, um, you know, flat with low energy. So, you know, we've had some, you know, heart to hearts with, you know, ourselves, with different players, with the staff. Um, and I think we've seen a rebound, you know, from that point of view. But yeah, it's tough to, you know, celebrate too much the victories or be too down after the losses. So we try to take the big picture approach. And, you know, this is just one point in the season, and I think even Masai said it yesterday, the, you know, the true evaluation, I think, for this team will be at the end of the season. All right, so I'm taking all that in, and the play-in, and the Tampa. Like, I get, like, the last couple of years, Tampa, crowd restrictions at home. Like, to be honest, I thought the NBA kind of did the franchise a little dirty over that time. But was there some calculus needed on how to keep your fans engaged and maybe even perhaps get some home playoff dates, Bobby? Um, no, I think it's more of a belief in the team. You know, I mean, this is a great environment here at Scotia. The fans have been great all year. Um, so, you know, keep coming out, keep supporting the team. It's, you know, it's a party every night in this building. So I think that was less of it and more of it was you see at times, whether it was maybe the Sacramento game or even that Memphis game down the stretch, uh, where they really seemed to come on and, and they started to play together. They had energy, and you start to see that ceiling, and you start to see some of that chemistry come together with the team. Okay, so then are you worried that, say, Gary Trent Jr. or Fred could walk? Of course, that's inherent, you know. Every year we, you know, going back to when we first started here, whether it was Kyle or whether it was DeMar, and so I think we have to have some degree of confidence in what we built here, um, that they want to stay, and, and, you know, that's their right and, and their ability to, to make those decisions. But I think we've set ourselves up you know, financially, um, you know, and with a, a, a bit of room under the tax to hopefully be able to keep those guys. I understand the bird rights on Jakob Pertl can be valuable, and you also save some money on Ken Birch, but a, a first and a pair of seconds for a player that theoretically you could have signed in free agency has confused some of your hardcore fans. Can you give us a little bit more insight on that? Yeah, I think maybe the second part I'll start with. It would have been difficult for us to sign him in free agency, um, just kind of the way the, the numbers work. So uh, the home team, the team with the bird rights, is able to pay the player more. So we would not have been uh, the team with bird rights. We wouldn't have been able to sign him to as much. So I think that's, that's you know, part of it. And I think to get the player, you know, we, we, we did the deal on Wednesday. Could we have waited until Thursday? And hopefully we were the last team standing. Um, but we, you know, kind of where I started with this, 
is he was important to us. Uh, that position was really important to us, so why not? Uh, you know, just go out there, get them, target who you want, and make sure you get them. Yeah, and then a more refined game. Like, I know some of the defensive numbers with Coloco have uh, been pretty good, but his game still yet to be refined on the offense. Is that kind of what made you enthusiastic about Pirtle? Yeah, I think you can develop both of them. I think yeah. you have Jakob right now who, uh, you know, more of a veteran in the league, and, and Christian will, will be coming in. Uh, it'd be a great problem to have if we have two centers who are starting caliber and, um, you know, we'll, we'll take that uh, a few years from now. But I think more than anything, Christian's a rookie. You know, we're trying to make the playoffs. We owe it to a lot of the guys on the current team to, to have somebody a bit more veteran. That, that's interesting that you say you owe it to uh, the guys on the team right now. And I'm, not that I disagree with you in any way, shape, or form, but what I heard from some of the fans yesterday and today was the opportunity cost of adding at the deadline cost you what could be a high pick and a very good draft and people dreaming about you know whether it be Scoot or Victor or whatever the heck it is it, did, did you guys look at and I know that there's communication that we'll never be in on with your players but did you look at some of the guys that have been here for a while and they suggested that they wanted to try and be a part of whatever the end of this season was I think anytime you're gonna have you know some frustrating results early you're gonna you know look at the whole operation and so you know we wouldn't be doing our job if we didn't consider all paths um, I think Tampa was a unique year where we were able to kind of you know engineer it a little bit more um, I think this year with the group we had and with where we thought this group could go it didn't make as much sense but yeah of course we're looking at all scenarios and I think you know not in any kind of underhanded way but that's that's our job is to, to evaluate all the scenarios and so I think we did um, but ultimately this was the decision that we felt best about and we think gives this group the best chance. Okay so the question I got most yesterday and I'll finish with this and you can be as brief as you want is which direction is the team going now Jesse's grandmother wrote into the show yesterday and said why do they have to share that and my response to Jesse's booby was and I wrote this down they don't have to, but that's where the frustration of the fan base comes from. So can you ease that frustration and give us an idea of where you think this franchise's trajectory is going? Or do you lean towards the mindset of Jesse's booby? No, listen, <laughs> we always want to win. We owe it to everybody who comes to the games, who supports us to put out a winning product. We owe it to ourselves. We are as harsh of a critic on, on ourselves as anybody. Um, so we want to put out a winning team that plays together, that has the ability to win big, and I think that's what we're doing. And so we're making a playoff push um, every single one of these games. We want to win. We have 26 games left. So I think that's the lens through which you can evaluate this team, which is are they doing everything in their power to win? And, and at the end of the season, um, you know, hopefully we'll have a, a better you know, lens to evaluate that through. Uh, listen, these days aren't always easy questions. Uh, you know that coming on, so I appreciate you doing this, and I hope the, the fans understand and appreciate it as well. Thanks for doing this, Bobby. No worries, man. Anytime. Completely understand, and thanks for having me. Anytime. Uh, there is the general manager of the Toronto Raptors courtside, Bobby Webster. A little late coming to us, so I wish I could have got more in there, but we are already way late. Coming up, Super Bowl 57, just over 48 hours away. We'll get you set with Nate Burleson and Rash Madani live from Arizona, and we'll do that after this short commercial interview. Sometimes I feel like I gotta explain why it might have been questions for an hour. Or yeah, two I probably hours. could have done two hours. <laughs> <laughs> Easy.
Let us know what you thought, though. Super Bowl 57, about 48 hours away. 540, yeah, that works out. A little over 48 hours away. Arash Madani has been there all week, and he joins us now from Radio Row in Arizona. Arash, what's going on, bud? How are we doing, fellas? Well, we're good. Uh, Bobby Webster, some interesting responses. We're getting a few responses right now. Jesse seems still flummoxed. We'll, uh, we'll have the conversation a little later. Got to focus in on the Super Bowl, though. I don't know if you heard, Timmy, Jesse. Mm-hmm. Did you know that the Kelsey brothers were playing against one another in the Super <laughs> Bowl good. this we week? Have yeah, you heard good. this? Yeah, yeah. What? What? A, incredible. What a story. <laughs> Did you know their mom was around for opening night and brought chocolate chip cookies to her boys? What a, what a, this is, this is news to everybody. Um, here's what you may not know. That football was just one of the sports that those two brothers played growing up in Ohio. Uh, Baseball, basketball, hockey, lacrosse, and yeah, they strapped on the shoulder pads and the helmet too. Patrick Mahomes in high school, All-State in three different sports. And I bring all of this up because there are so many meathead coaches out there who are telling eight and nine-year-old kids (laughs) to specialize just in one game. Uh, Leave it to some of the most dynamic players competing in Super Bowl 57 who are going to tell you that isn't the method to reach the greatest heights in sport. I think it just taught me how to compete. It taught me how to have success in different ways. Obviously, uh, you can see all the different stuff, the no looks and all the sidearms, everything like that. If it's a team sport, man, you need to get out here and be around as many different styles of, uh, of, of culture, of people, uh, to just make you more well-rounded so you can be the best teammate you can. And I think uh, all, all those sports definitely played a part in who I am and uh, the athletes that I am today. Watch Kelsey thunder in space with the football. Just a matchup nightmare league-wide. Rumbling inside the 10. Look at this. Kelsey's in the end zone. Crazy. No better tight end in the business than Travis Kelsey. It's historical what he's been able to do. In part, he credits his open field vision with what he's learned playing so many different sports. Control a ball or a puck as well as going down the ice and doing things. It's like I'm running and I'm reading the defense. I'm seeing, I'm doing two things at once almost uh, on the hockey rink and the lacrosse field. And it's just uh, those kind of things. It's not a coach's decision on what a kid should or shouldn't do. It's about what the kid wants to do. And um, if they want to follow their dreams and then that takes them to other sports, uh, I think that at the end of the day, they'll come back to whatever they think is the best for them. I put my stamp on me being able to play all sports growing up and helping me develop as a football player. I really do. I wish I had played more sports, man. No offseason addition mattered more to the Eagles than last spring's trade to bring in A.J. Brown, who, back in 2016, was actually a draft pick of the San Diego Padres. Hand-eye coordination, tracking the football, you know, over the shoulder. You know, I always say, like, if I can uh, track a ball in center field, a little small baseball, like, I can track a football. Mahomes loved baseball and basketball, was really good at both, and grew up around big leaguers. Yet, he has still emerged as the best player in professional football. And Sunday, will start his third career Super Bowl. You play multiple sports and you, you go out there because you learn how to win. You learn how to compete. You learn how when times get tough, you have to have success um, in different ways. And I think that's what you see with me on the football field. Playing all sports is going to help you in, in, in the other sports some way, somehow, some fashion. So I I say play all sports. If you can, play all sports. Versatility, 
the ticket for three of this game's biggest stars. The foundation built from a young age, becoming a better athlete, teammate, and now on the grandest stage of all at Super Bowl 57. I have to give A.J. Brown some credit. He may have had the line of the entire week. Somebody asked him why he chose the NFL over going through the grind of the minor leagues in baseball, and he said, I'd rather catch touchdowns in front of 80,000 people than hit home runs in front of 15 in rookie ball. <laughs> Timmy? I like going to minor league games, and, and I'll be honest with you, I, I my son said the same thing. I want to focus on baseball. He was like 11. I'm like, nope. You're going to keep playing other sports. Uh, have some fun doing it. Um, team's final practice today. Arash, what was the focus out there? Mainly red zone for both teams, Tim. Andy Reid, Nick Sirianni, they were working on their and goal situations, just kind of tidying things up. I I'm expecting some gadget plays from both coaches. They're just going to absolutely empty the holster with what they've been working on installing since training camp. At this stage of things, you're not putting in anything new. You're just working on the things that you want to execute with on second and goal, third and goal, and especially on two-point plays. Uh, somebody asked Andy Reid, hey, any final message for your team? He said, uh, that's for the movies. He said, if I can't fit it on a three-by-five index card, I have nothing else to say to my guys. Nick Sirianni's message, fast, physical, together. Uh, stage is set. Practices are done. Um, Sunday awaits, guys. Fast, physical, together. Sounds like this hit. Arash Madani, we appreciate you, buddy. See you, boys. There is uh, Madani in Arizona. Speaking of Arizona, Very Jesse nice. Rubinoff. Speaking of Arizona, the second round of the Waste Management Phoenix Open, par 5, 15th. John Rahm started on the back from the greenside bunker. That, my friends, is an eagle moving him to five under par. Par 4, second we go. Rahm, 16-footer for another birdie. Bottom of the cup, finishes at eight under par. The wildest event of the PGA Tour season. Sure to have some crazy fan moments. It's not golf, it's a rock concert. The 16th hole, one fan. It is underwear, storming the green, trying to get the fans pumped up. What are we doing? Is that doing? a mullet? What, what are we doing? That's what, that's what you guys want me to, to grow in the back of my head, something like that? The Yager mullet? What is, is going Max on Savage? There. Uh, okay, part four, six. Scotty Scheffler also starting on the back. Approach from 117 out is a beauty. Leads to a birdie. Finishes at 10 under. I was scared to look further down from the mullet. Yeah, That's I, was, why I yeah, was focusing yeah. on the hair. Yeah, fair enough. Canadian Nick Taylor starting on the back. Part four, tenth. After missing the green with his approach, soft hands. I was wondering when you would get to the Canadian. Soft hands, catching the ridge, rolling it in, moving to six under pretty good leaderboard we have here, here at the waste management of. phoenix open scotty scheffler 10 under rom eight under nick taylor adam hadwin tied for so six at the moment Corey connor's 21st yeah they're just getting going the canadians are and they figure to be up there uh, they're gonna have to the, the same top. kind of round yeah abbotsford stand up pretty uh, good taylor leaderboard i know you were uh, you were chirping the, the tour last week for not having anyone come out some pretty good leaderboard there. leaderboard there yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I think we're going to see a lot of that, though. Time for another break. Uh, we'll keep the Super Bowl talk going. Nate Burleson joins us from Arizona as we stay in the Phoenix area. We talked to Rihanna. Did you know that? And now, time for Real Sports Talk. 
with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. Thank you very much, Sheepdogs. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. Tim McAuliffe alongside Jesse Rubinoff. And we've got you for another 30 minutes, or at least we hope we do, on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 360. Hockey Central coming your way 6.30 Eastern time. They'll get you set for four games in the National Hockey League, including the Leafs returning from their bye week in Columbus. Others to come tomorrow off the bye. We've got more Super Bowl talk on the way, Nate Burleson will join us from Arizona, but we begin this hour with the Raptors, who host the Jazz tonight after yesterday's trade deadline. Both teams heavily rumored to be parting with massive pieces. Didn't really happen for the that Raptors. That shot was so funny. Yes. Two of them just sitting there stone-faced. Just made one deal at the deadline, reacquiring Jakob Pertl from the Spurs. Big man available to play tonight after some concern that he wouldn't be able to. But he has passed all clearances and well played. He spoke to the media earlier and says he's happy to be back. This past season was a little bit tough because we've been losing games. So like I'm, uh, I was excited to get out there and play like winning basketball again, like try and um, play for a playoff spot, like um, go out there and, and compete again. Uh, so those are things that very, very much excited me. And then also just having guys here that I, I was familiar with, like getting back with like P, Fred, OG, all those guys, like. Uh, uh, yeah, should be should make for a fun, fun year for sure. Speaking of Toronto teams, the Leafs visit the Blue Jackets tonight. Both teams return from their extended break following the All-Star weekend. Austin Matthews remains sidelined with a knee injury, but practiced today, excuse me, practiced yesterday and could return soon. Ilya Samsonov will start in goal for the Buds tonight. Earlier today, Sheldon Keefe talked about his expectations the squad coming off a long way off. I expect our guys to just be focused and uh, try to get their game back as quickly as they can. Uh, that's really it, you know, in terms of how quickly it will or won't uh, come together. That remains to be seen, but that's something we're talking about is, you know, it's, it's, you take a break and you get recharged and refreshed, but it's not like, not like we've uh, changed anything or anything like that. A flock of eagles is heading to Arizona. The Philadelphia Eagles are the NFL's most complete team. You pick your poison against these guys. The Chiefs offense, they have an answer for everything. You never know where they're going with the football. We are just counting two days away from the biggest game of the year. A couple of weeks of waiting. Nearing a close, that's right, kids. Super Bowl 57, a great matchup. And in about 48 hours from now, we will see if it lives up to the hype. My next guest always does. Fresh off of his interview with Rihanna for the soon-to-be-dropped podcast, The Process with Nate Burleson. Our final Friday with Nate of the Year. It's Nate Burleson, my dude, be honest. How big is the drop from Riri to Timmy? <laughs> oh, man, it's fire. I hit her up. I said, yo, I need you to do a drop to my guy, Tim. And she did. And then she hit a little, pew, 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 afterwards, just like you like it. 
You know what I mean? I'll be sending you the link later on. There it is. I told Riri, you said, what's up? She said, she said the bald beauty in Canada? I said, yeah, that one. I said, you know, Tim? I love it when you lie to me. It's so amazing when you lie to me. I think that's a Rihanna lyric right there. Yeah. I love it when you lie to me. Uh, busiest man in show business out of the podcast. If you don't already know, it's called The Process. Grab your phone right now. Subscribe ASAP. How did the interview go besides the, the McAuliffe drop thing? Yeah, it was amazing, man. She walked in as glamorous as ever. Um, it was almost like she floated into the room, <laughs> just looking beautiful, had this aura about her. But what I took away from it, she had this humility. Uh, um, and, and it was when I was asking her about the response that she got from social media, and everybody was so excited when the announcement came. And I was like, girl, you almost broke the internet. And she was like, yeah, you know, I just didn't know if, if people wanted me back outside. I didn't know if I wanted to be back outside and back on the big stage and back making music and hitting a stage like this Super Bowl at halftime. I think that right there said so much to me because sometimes you meet these celebs and they're every bit of as cocky and as full of themselves as you may yeah. assume. But Rihanna, she has this very like confident glow about her all the while wrapped in this very humble exterior it was it was beautiful man i i had a, an awesome 15 minutes maybe my favorite 15 minutes of the week Ooh. thus far of course the game in the halftime show might trump that but it was amazing nice i know i know as we switch to football that when we talk football we talk about quarterbacks way too much and the yeah. history we talked about last week is very important. First time two black quarterbacks facing off in the Super Bowl. I don't want to diminish this in any way, shape, or form. It is amazing to see. It's also the lowest combined age of the two starting quarterbacks in Super mm. Bowl history. Hurts 24, Mahomes 27, and fresh off of his second MVP, Patrick is about to be the youngest quarterback to start three Super Bowl games passing Tom Brady. He can't possibly, possibly pass Tom Brady, period. Can he? Yeah, he can, he can do it passably by passing <laughs> as much as he has been. <laughs> uh, but, no, listen, you, you said something that if you really just sit on that thought for a minute, how young these QBs are, yeah. how young Patrick Mahomes is achieving all that he has, accomplishing all of these things, being the first black quarterback to win the most valuable player award twice, like, this is something fresh, something new, something exciting, but more important, I feel like this is the shift. It happens occasionally, right? Like, we remember when Bird had to sit down and then Magic, yeah, and then Jordan in the 90s, and then he retired and came back and played for the Wizards. But there's always these shifts where your greats all of a sudden get older and they're not as good, and then they end up on a bench coaching or sitting in the stands and watching just like all of us. There's a shift happening in the NFL. Tom Brady retiring. That's that's big news, right? Because automatically everybody's looking at that torch. Tom Brady holding that torch. Who's going to take it from him? Now, he doesn't even have to get it snatched out of his hands because, trust me, these young quarterbacks were trying to snatch it. What he gets to do is he gets to place it on the table. And I know Patrick Mahomes' hand is running in there first. But think about the great quarterbacks that we have had over the last 10 or so years, right? Drew Brees, he's gone. You look at Aaron Rodgers. He's still great, but is, is, is he as good as he used to be? Russell Wilson, who was once always in the topic of conversation yep. as the best quarterback. Yep. Is he as good as he used to be? Nah. Now we're talking about Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson. I can go on and on and on. Trevor Lawrence. So this shift is incredible. Now, if Patrick Mahomes wins this game, 
now we're talking about two Super Bowls in the span of five years and now we're talking about a legit dynasty and when all of these records seem so far out of reach nobody will ever break Tom Brady's records right and remember we were talking we would joke about this often why is Tom Brady sticking around one, I think he was addicted to the game in a good way. He loved it, right? That's what greats do. That's what make them great. Mm -hmm. They're so in love with the game that they can't let it go. But I also, I also truly do believe, and I could be wrong, I think he was trying to widen that gap between him and the next young buck. As crazy as it sounds, and we're like, Tom, you don't need to keep breaking records. Nobody's ever going to break those records. But that's not true, though. Isn't that the same thing they thought about when Kareem hit his last hook shot? Yeah. Nobody's ever going to break that. Are you crazy? And then look at LeBron. Longevity and greatness. Patrick Mahomes, is he on that same type of path? If he is, we will be looking back at Tom Brady's record saying, wow, I remember once when they stood tall. That, that is, the trajectory is most definitely there. This Sunday could add to that trajectory. Uh, listen, I, I know that we can't get there without talking about Philly's defense because when, like, what do you think about this matchup against Philly's D, specifically their pass D, first in the league, and a pass rush that is tied with the 87 Bears with the third most sacks in NFL history? You know, this Philly defense is ferocious. And, and if Philly is looking back at any tape, I don't think it's anything recent. I, I think if I'm Sirianni, I'm sitting back and I'm saying, all right, defense, we're going to watch a movie today. And it's a horror film. <laughs> and it's, it has some familiar characters. has some heroes, some villains, some faces that you recognize that you've seen in movies before. And you know what I'll play? I'll play that second Super Bowl appearance by Patrick Mahomes where they played down in Tampa. I'd mm -hmm. play that movie. And I'd, I'd, I'd allow that Eagles defense to watch that Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense collapse the pocket, make yeah. him uncomfortable. You remember that game? I believe yeah, he ran almost 600 life. yards sideline to sideline, not yeah. even forward. And I think that Eagles team is looking at that as the blueprint to go out there and put a whooping on the Chiefs. Can the Chiefs run the ball enough to keep the pass rush from pinning their ears back and just bum rushing what is still, and, and we're talking about greatness here, but still a banged up Mahomes? This is the X factor element of this squad that we haven't been able to talk about in years past. I believe that they will run the ball and they will run the ball successfully. You know, they, they have Pacheco, who is a downhill, hard nosed runner. And I believe we heard that Clyde Edwards Alaire, right? He, yep. He's now available out of nowhere. Um, basically, they were keeping him on ice and he looks as good as new. I, I just feel like when you have multiple backs that you can hand the ball off to use as an extension of the short passing game, keep Jalen Hurts in that offense on the sideline, basically do to them what they do best to everybody else, which is one the rock that just opens up the pass game. That allows Patrick Mahomes to be comfortable and toss the ball downfield to Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who I believe is the ultimate uh, pass-catching X-Factor for this team. Ooh, okay, I want to get into X-Factors in a sec, but I don't want to forget about Jalen Hurts, 16-1 and yes. as a starter this year. I mean, when we saw Gardner Minshew go into action, I was arguing that Hurts is now proof that he's just as valuable to his team as Mahomes, despite the award, and I understand it. What makes Jalen Hurts so special in your mind? Well, I'll start on the field. He's strong, and if you don't believe me, just type in Jalen Hurts lifting weights, and you'll see some of his stuff in college. Ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, he's as strong as a linebacker. Um, we know that the athleticism there. And I'm starting with the obviouses. Um, you know, and, and then let's move on to his passion.
passing ability. Listen, he just throws a pretty goal ball. Now, he was a little off, a little rusty. I mean, he was banged up, so it's, it's quite understandable. But the, the way that he puts that trajectory on the ball and it drops right in the pocket of his wide receivers and pass catchers, I think that's an underrated part of his game. He also has great discernment. He's not making a lot of bad decisions. Some of our favorite quarterbacks throughout the year were making really bad decisions. You remember that run where Mahomes was throwing interceptions? You remember that run when Josh Allen was throwing interceptions? There wasn't a, 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 a run like that, a run of games where we were like, man, Jalen Hurts really has to tighten up, man. These few games, he's throwing back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back picks. We haven't said that, so he's taking care of the rock. But here is the, the ultimate reason why I think he is special, the cool factor. And we talk about that with Joe Burrow, and he is. Joe Cool, Joe Thorough, Joe Shiesty, Joe Feisty, all that. <laughs> Joe Burrow is all of those things. But we forget how cool Jalen Hurts is. Just think about it. He got drafted, right? And he said it recently. Well, people in the building, they weren't happy. And I think a reporter's like, huh, what did you say? Uh, are, are you talking about people in the field? He said, yeah, people here weren't all excited about me being here. Basically, we all heard the rumors that they weren't that excited about the pick. It was, it was a, a question mark hanging over his head. Yeah. He dealt with that fine, didn't say anything, used his motivation. Then when Carson Wentz was gone, they still were like, well, we got Jalen, but let's wait and see. I mean, because he's not really, he's not really there yet. And, and, and maybe we get a guy in the draft. Maybe we bring in a free agent. Let's just see what he can do. And then he shows growth. And then this year, successful MVP conversation. Fantastic. Rushing the ball, getting in the end zone with his arm and legs, doing it all. Still as cool as ever. Never too high, never too low. Why is that important? Because when you have a season like this in a roller coaster ride and emotional guys that hang their hat on every single moment of this game, you need a QB that is going to make sure all is well when the waters get rough and the waves start crashing against the ship. They need to be able to look at your captain, look at dry land, and say, we're good. Dry land is in Arizona. It's Super Bowl, Sunday, February 12th. That's where we're going. And that's what Jalen Hurst provides to this team in that offense. Yeah, that pressure can crack pipes, but uh, not when they are cool, calm, and collected. So last year, you and I had a conversation surrounding Travis Kelsey's greatness. And I said that he's already the best tight end ever. Others pushed back saying, um, I had to change it. And I did. I'll say best pass-catching tight end ever, which I'm okay with. But what I yeah. need you to help me understand, Nate, is this dude is second to only Jerry Rice in postseason catches, receiving yards, and TDs. And yet, my guy, even with game plans focused directly on him, has eight straight playoff games with 75 or more receiving yards. He's got a TD in five straight playoff games. How, Nate, as a receiver yourself, can a dude be that consistent with all eyes on him? It is wild to see him out there cooking the way he does. Now listen, when he's healthy, when he's out there spry, moving like he can, he's basically uh, a wide receiver. He's not a tight end, he's not a, a tight end hybrid, he's a wide receiver. The crazy part about the AFC Championship game, he was banged up. We keep talking about Patrick's ankle. This dude was going into that game with back spasms, something he's been dealing with his entire career. And I saw him moving around gingerly while he was warming up. Even during the game, he wasn't running full speed, but still getting wide open. I was sitting there hitting on Phil, hitting on Boom, hitting on Coach, like, y'all see this? Travis Kelsey is not even running full speed and he's getting open. He has this innate feel for the game. It's almost like a sixth sense. And, and I think there's a combination of where he's going to stop and the anticipation of where Patrick is going to throw the ball. I, I think we have to give him credit. And to be honest, you don't need to correct uh, that statement. Travis Kelsey's best tight end, period. 
That's it. You don't have to say, well, best mm -hmm. tight end when it comes to catch. No, nah, forget that. Listen, he people keep talking about blocking like it's the 1980s. He doesn't have to decleat you, stand over you, and yell in your face. You know, blocking is basically getting in the way of the defender, making sure the guy behind you has a path to gain more yards. That's it. I don't care if he puts guys on his back or if he's getting decleaters or crackback blocks. Most of the most of the blocks that people equate to blocking are illegal nowadays. So it's not going to look like it used to. If you pay attention to Travis Kelsey, minimal mental errors in the blocking game. Which means, if you really break it down, he's a good blocker. Now right. you add a good blocker to the fact he is a phenomenal, maybe the best pass-catching tight end, he's the best tight end ever to me. I don't care what anybody say. Yeah, I could admit it might be recency bias, and I could admit that because I played against him and I saw him in my era that I might be leaning towards him. And there's some, some tight ends from yesteryear that could be better. But I'm going with Travis Kelsey. Yeah, me, me too. I'm right there with you. All right. So are you going with Marquez Valdez Scantling as your X fact? I was looking at Kenneth Gainwell. I think he's the guy that might be able to make an That's impact on this game that people aren't looking at. Who, who's the one name that jumps out at you? Yeah, I'm going with Marquez Valdez Scantling because in the AFC Championship game, Cole Hartman goes down. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is looking for somebody to toss the ball downfield to, and it was Marquez that was stepping up and stepping up big. This is the same guy that was making plays for Aaron Rodgers, and he has that big, long frame, so his catch radius is just about anywhere you throw near him, he can get to it. Um, and I think Mahomes is going to look for him, not just in the field, in between the 20s. I feel like as they get closer to the red zone in this game, Andy Reid will game plan to use Travis Kelsey as a decoy because usually that's right. Patrick Mahomes' favorite target in the red zone. Right. And then you'll see Marquez Valdez-Scantling screaming across the back of the end line, and he'll make some plays in this game. MVS, your pick. I'll take Kenneth Gainwell. Speaking of picks, one. Nate Dogg, before I let you go, sometimes unfair, can I get a pick in our Super Bowl 57? My logic tells me it's the Eagles because they've been a more consistent team. They're healthier at the right time. It seemed like it's fitting, right? Yeah. Everything that they Good have balance. been through, where they are, and yes, very well balanced on offensive defense, and they can run the ball, throw the ball on the offensive side of the rock. That's my logic. And usually, logic is what we lean on in TV. Right. But my heart says Patrick Mahomes is built for this moment. There's motivation because there's whispers. There's almost disrespect. There's almost bulletin board material like they had a couple of weeks ago where everybody's saying it's the Eagles Super Bowl to lose. We get it. Patrick Holmes is good, but he's too banged up, and he doesn't have guys at his disposal. Oh, and what about that ankle? There's all these different reasons of why we're picking against the Chiefs. But if you're picking against the Chiefs, you're picking against a guy who just won his second Most Valuable Player award. But more importantly, I think you're picking against Andy Reid and his genius. You don't think a guy that ran that ring around the rosy play in a game where they had the lead, where it was really a throwaway creative play that was genius, but he's like, ah, we'll just throw it out there. You don't think that that same guy is going to have play after play after play tucked in his pocket, ready to bring out in a game like this? I truly believe Andy Reid will show his greatest work, and this will be the most creative game plan he has ever put out there on the field. So, logic says Eagles, my heart says Chiefs and my mom always said follow your heart son follow your heart
Uh, that was uh, Sir Mix-a-Lot. Uh, I was thinking Eagles the whole way, and you did big old butt. But I can't bet against <laughs> Patrick Mahomes, and I can't bet against Andy Reid. Love it. Listen, I know you've been running around all Super Bowl week. Uh, you've seen some of the Sportsnet homies, even though they locked me up in the studio. Uh, I'm happy that you could stop by and chat. Enjoy the game on Sunday, my dude. No doubt, man. And you got to make it to Super Bowl next year, all right? I'm serious. Hey, who, who do I got to talk to, man? Hey, seriously. <laughs> Look at me. Come close. Hey, don't leave my guy Tim back home no more. Super Bowl Sunday. All right, he needs to come out and kick it with me. I mean, Ebony and Ivory, we be running through these streets like it's the 1990s, baby. Nah, I love you, man. Living I'll talk to you soon. In perfect harmony. <laughs> harmony. Our harmony was off. Thank you, my dude. Yeah. All right, man. Have a good one. Side by side on my piano. He don't know the rest of the lyrics last break wrap things up game time after this love me dog okay here we go game time just before we started the show the canadian women's soccer team released a scathing statement aimed at canada soccer and what they as a collective describe as budget cuts heading into the women's world cup in july and august in australia and New Zealand, what is your reaction to me? Uh, I don't know a ton about this. I was reading about it live while we were on the air. But what I do know, and will reiterate once again, Canada soccer simply needs to be better. Like, in or in the way is the way I described it heading into the Men's World Cup, right? Mm -hmm. The women's team isn't going to play a home game before the World Cup. This is ridiculous. This is how you make money. The men's team heading into the World Cup lost money paying out Iran not to come and lost money playing Curacao at home. In real footballing nations, stuff like this, and I wasn't going to say stuff, I was going to say something else, is unacceptable. Family show. The crazy part is on the men's and women's side, this is a real proper footballing nation. The governing body is not. That needs to change quick. That's pretty good for someone who read it while live on the air. <laughs> Uh, well, it's the same thing. Yeah. How many times do I have to say this? Yeah. It's, get out of the way. It is a bad situation. There's no doubt about it. Okay, quickly, I want to get to this. Uh, we released this on social media earlier in the day. Ultimate Super Bowl party. You have $15. What are you doing? I know exactly what I'm doing. I'm going to rifle it off right now, give you time to think. Sliders for me. At two bucks? Veggies, because why not? Sprinkling, sprinkle a little health Who in there. Who does veggies? Soda at a three, Super it's only $15. Party. It's not that easy. No, but. <laughs> Okay, let me finish. Soda, $3. Soda. 85-inch TV, because the viewing experience soda. is the most important. That's what it Correct. says on the graphic. I agree graphic. with that. Yeah, I can Couch, $4. Don't need a recliner. That all adds up to $15. I nailed it. You? Uh, I spent $25. Right, I saw you tweet that earlier. <laughs> yeah. So you're just not following the rules. No, you're I'm just not following out. the rules. You're going to shame me for the ridiculous. veggies. I'm not choosing, and I'm definitely not choosing vegetables. Okay, uh, I also Who want... chooses vegetables? It's a night, like, after Should be out. After. Yeah, Jesse, you're right. Semi over there. Cheap seats. I'm laughing. Unbelievable. Veggies and laughing. Veggies and laughing. Veggies. I just did. No. I will Incorrect. have some veggies on Sunday. What do you, where, what's. Hold on. We didn't, we got a bunch of people's different uh, um, pick for the Super Bowl. Mm. Eagles, Chiefs, naturally. Uh, Haven't decided. Got mine. Okay. What's so, yours? Eagles. You are going Eagles. I'm going Eagles. Seb? Okay, too long. Shan? Going Eagles. Chiefs. Eagles. Eagles. Chiefs. 
Eagles. I, I'm, I'm with Nate. Like, everything in my – if the Chiefs secondary is still banged up, this could not be close. Like, the Eagles could just run away with but this then game. He, but then he said he's going to take the Chiefs because it's hard. No, I, I understand what he said. And what I'm going through is the same process as him. I'm finding it really hard to pick against Mahomes because I think he's unbelievably great. But this Eagles team is so balanced. Mm -hmm. And if they're banged up, if the Chiefs are banged up or as banged up as we saw them in the AFC Championship, they lose. Yeah, I'm not happy about potentially betting against the Chiefs. So I don't feel good about it. I don't, I don't think anyone can feel good about any bet in this game, period. They're both so good. And it's going to be a great game. I'm going to go with the Eagles, too. Oh, my goodness. That does it for us, kids. Have a great weekend. We will see you back here on Monday. I, I, listen, it's, this is a tough one. It's like tough as a pick. The best part is that I'm really excited about the matchup. Yes, me too. All right, before we go, here's a look back at the week that was right here on Tim and Friends because, Jesse, you know it's Friday then. It's Friday then, it's Saturday, Sunday, what? It's Friday then, it's Friday, Sunday, what? It's Friday again, it's Friday, Sunday, what? Oh, let it fly, Mama New Anja. Let's bring the heat like the homie, Iron Sheik. Let's open the sports bazaar, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. <laughs> Uh, Walter White, a.k.a. Arash McDanny. Uh, Arash, one, are you a breaking bad guy? And two, are you okay? I am okay. Good. Is there a Winnebago in the area? Because if there is, I'm going to get real scared. Yeah. Say my name. We did Google what happens if you get bitten by a rattlesnake and you better get medical attention within 30 minutes. Suck it out, no? I'll leave that to you, Mikhail. If you can do all the sucking that you like. Thanks, guys. All right, there is uh, excellent. Ready to go? Yeah. Intrepid reporter. Doing that thing. Like, yeah. That's not natural, the whole thing. That's why Ricky Bobby asked where he puts his hand. I'm not sure what to do with my hand. Uh, be good just to hold him down by okay. your side. Yeah, great. Uh, you weren't the only one to get a text from family. Uh, this is from my cousin that says her TV froze this way. Get on the call. <laughs> Real attractive. <laughs> You're clearing your throat. I don't know if you're making a joke or Brandon Stokely. No, today I'm just clearing the throat. <laughs> today I'm just clearing the throat. <laughs> my voice just cracked. I love it. My voice just cracked for the first time since 14. If I had a girlfriend, she'd kill me. If you were a LeBron guy going in, you're still a LeBron guy. I'm just Jason Siegel from Bad Team. There is no way that LeBron will ever be Jordan. Call me when LeBron has six championships. That's your only argument. It's the only argument I need, Sean. Look at that. I'm sorry, what's that number? $181,000. What? We can pull together that? our funds. We can, I don't think that's going to be enough. <laughs> that's Tim McAuliffe money. I don't, that's Tim McAuliffe money. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. Yeah.